Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Carcio. And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the women's professional sport. This episode, we'll be talking about promotion and relegation within league play. Move your feet. This is Megged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Megged. Abby, how are you doing this week? I'm good. You know, Sid, I'm a bit nervous. In a few days, I'll be traveling to Dublin for the first in-person portion of my UEFA B course, which I'm very excited about, but it's a whole new ball game for me. So I'm looking forward to it, but a little nervous as well. I'm sure you will do wonderfully, my friend. Thank you. How are you doing, Sid? Yeah, good. Um, We are back into league play this week. So big game coming up for us, which is exciting to prepare for. Um, We also had a coaching change. So interesting to like, you know, change the dynamic and under under new leadership. But so far, it's been really good. It's it's been uh, reinvigorating training sessions. So all good over here in Scotland. Moving over to news, something that's not so good. Abby, Sam U.S.'s retirement. Holy cow. I feel like we knew this was coming, but even seeing her post, what she said about it, her sister's post. Oh, God, I'm gutted. Yeah, I mean, just so devastating for her as an individual. Like, not only is she kind of having to transition out of football, but she's also still dealing with that injury in her daily life. So that that's really difficult to navigate. And I think the whole country is gutted uh, for her and for the national team as well. Like I I had this vision of her coming back and just kind of solving all of the problems in our midfield. Um, But obviously she needs to take care of her body and she has a new position as editor in chief at men and blazers, which is looking to do exactly what we're trying to do as well. It's just talk about the women's game um, on a larger scale. So super excited for her next steps, but devastated for her in her forced retirement. Yeah, definitely a sad thing to to read if you are a fan of the game. Um, but maybe some some positives on the flip side. We've got some interesting news coming out of the January window. There's been a ton of trades in the WSL and the NWSL, literally all over. So if you want to stay on top of the trades, stay up to date with our Instagram stories. We are posting each trade as it comes through as fast as we possibly can. And some interesting aspect with that, sticking with the NWSL, two signings, Christine Sinclair back in the NWSL for one more year, and Casey Stoney, head coach of San Diego Wave, signed a contract extension through 2027. Abby, do you have any thoughts on those two signings? Yeah, I mean, obviously Sinclair announced her retirement from the national team not too long ago, um, which I think we all saw coming. But listen, if she still has the legs, I would, and she's still enjoying her football, of course, I would I would say keep playing until you, you can't go any longer. Um, and then on the Casey Stoney part, I really thought she was up for that Chelsea gig, but I think she's building something great at San Diego. Obviously, she moved her family out there, so I think stability is probably what she's searching for. Um but yeah, that, that was a little surprising that maybe she didn't go for that Chelsea job. 
I don't know behind yeah. the scenes, but yeah, I do think it's an aspect of like, don't read, don't believe everything you read online. Um, but I think that, I mean, at least for my time when I was in San Diego, like she really enjoys it. She enjoys the staff. She enjoys it as like a place for her family to come and settle down. And like you said, they did make that move. So I think it would have been interesting to for her to then turn around and go to Chelsea. And I think she really believes in what she's building in the NWSL. So that wasn't much of a surprise to me. And she even said the reason why they pushed it through is because she was tired of the rumors. So I definitely respect her a ton. And Christine Sinclair, yeah, I'm with you. Play as long as you can. And it's just, I don't know. I just feel like maybe I'm not a massive fan of it because I just feel like they still try to push so much through her. And I don't know. I, 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 she's 40, like not to be ageist, but like she's 40. So it, it's just like a different aspect of playing. So it's nice that she at least signed for one more year. And like you said, if you can, why not? So that's our news uh, this week. I'm sure there will be tons of updates. And if you want to stay updated, follow us on Instagram at Meg podcast. Okay, Ab, so we are talking about relegation and promotion this week. So basically, if people don't know what that is, relegation is when you're in the top division, the first division, um, and you come in last or maybe second to last, or you have some kind of tournament, quote unquote, where you get relegated. So it means you get dropped down to the second division in that country, in that league. If you get promoted, it means you're in that second division, you win that second division, and you then get promoted into that first division. So it basically is just like a change of power between first and second divisions. I've played in a league without it, and I'm currently in a league with it. So in Australia, it's not a thing. How you finish is just how you finish. Whereas in Scotland, it's kind of complicated. It breaks off, whatever. But basically, if you finish in the bottom, you're going into the second division. If you finish at the top of the second division, you're coming up until into the Scottish Women's Premier League. Abby, tell me your experiences. Tell me your thoughts. Let's dive into it. Yeah, similar to you, Sid, I have experience both in a league without the promotion relegation system, but also with it. Yeah, in France, I was both relegated from Division One, and in the following year, we were promoted back into Division One. So I have a, a lot of experience on that end. And I think it's so important to talk about this in the women's game because you see it almost universally in the men's game. And so I want to talk and dive into the positives and negatives of it. But my personal opinion off the bat, I think it's really beneficial. I think it adds layers to the game that when it's absent, just are also absent. So I I'm a proponent of it, but I would love to dive into the specific reasons why. Okay, well, let's let's dive into it. Tell me your first reason in, in support of it. And, and on these different topics, I think there are both positives and negatives, but I just put more things in the positive category in my mind. So the first one, let's talk about something we've also highlighted a bunch of times on this podcast as relevant for the women's game is money. Like where does money fall and how does it follow a promotion relegation system, right? So in my opinion, there's a huge incentive for investors to get teams promoted. Right. If you're in the second division and you're like uh, Ryan Reynolds over there in Wales, you're looking to get your team promoted. Right. So you're going to invest a lot of money into the players and to the team to get yourself up higher on the, on the table. And I think that's a really positive thing for the women's game. If we can get more investors 
focusing on getting promoted and then also preventing them from getting relegated because a lot of money is needed to stay in that first division. I think you're going to have more of a cash flow with those types of incentives. Without that incentive, you know you're going to stay in the league regardless. So if you put $100,000 less into your program, you're not really going to have a disincentive for that. I just think it's a really good incentive for investors to put more money into the women's game. Yeah. And then I think by default, that then will lead into things relative to teams on the pitch, right? Like if you are being backed monetarily, financially, that can increase, you know, maybe you get more medical staff. Maybe that means you have, I don't know, a better kit sponsor. And even just like all those little things do add up and make a big difference. And I think that greatly affects the quality of a league when you're competing with not only the people in your division, but like Loki, the people underneath you, like it, it just changes everything. Like we are competitors at heart. Like at the end of the day, every professional athlete is a competitor. It just takes a certain level of competition to perform at that level. And so there's this whole aspect of like, you don't want to fall at the bottom if you're in the first division. And if you're in the second division, clawing your way to the top, because then when you make it into the first division, you don't want to be relegated again. So it is like this this level of, I don't know, maybe a, a way to look at it is like you get rewarded. And if you're if you fall on the top, like you're penalized, which I think does incentivize then on the pitch. For sure. Like, let's dive into that. The, the positive of mentality. So in the NWSL currently, they don't have a second division and there's no promotion relegation. And so at the end of the season, you know who's going to be in the playoffs and you know who's like not really playing for anything, right? And so there's a lack of incentive there to perform at your highest. Whereas when I was in France and we were at the bottom of the, the table, the last three games in the season, we were giving 100% to try and prevent ourselves from being relegated. And so at the end of a season, a lot of times teams with or leagues without these systems they lose the incentive and the product on the pitch suffers for that. But if we can have the system, you're going down to the wire each season, it's better engagement from the players. You need to be performing at the end of the season. Yeah. And I, and I think it's probably important to note because I'm thinking NWSL, I'm thinking Gotham, right? Finish and last, change a lot of things. Now you're in first, right? So if they had been relegated, there is no, I mean, you could finish in first in the second division, but they're not winning the NWSL championship like they did this season. So technically, isn't that a counter for it? But I'm thinking of it in the aspect of Gotham is a great example of investment, right? They're investing. And so I don't necessarily think they they fit this quote unquote issue. I think it really falls for the teams that are just comfortable being middle of the table constantly, right? And and I do think the great thing about the NWSL, for example, and like why a relegation promotion system would be beneficial is because anybody can finish at any any spot in that league. I mean, you have Gotham that finished last and then they finish first. So I do think that, you know, for what you said, Abby, when those points inevitably start to go, 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 and top and bottom are really starting to pull away from each other. I do think, like you said, it creates, it creates this atmosphere where you still have something that you're fighting for. You still have something that you're playing for, especially I think in a league, I mean, this past season, everybody was over 20 points for the first time in the NWSL. So it's like, you're at the end, you're in the, at the end of the wire. And it's still like, we still have something we need to fight for, but like, we can't just finish last. Right. Like, how are we, my, my question is always, how are we going to push the product on the pitch? Like, how do we make this better 
for everybody, including fans. And to me, a system of complacency, like the absence of promotion relegation, it just is a system of complacency. And you, you, there's a drawback on the product, in my opinion. Like, okay, for instance, Gotham, they, they lose, right? They're losing, losing, losing. They're in last place. They have some sort of safety net. They're not, they know they're not going anywhere. There's no, there's no real penalty from coming for coming in last, right? And so, yeah, the product on the pitch is not going to be as as good as it was if they didn't have that safety net and they were pushing to try and stay in that first division. I just don't think that the product is the same with that safety net. Yeah, and I think that that you just brought up fan engagement. I think it doubles over into fan engagement as well. Like if you're cheering for your team to not be relegated or, you know, that you're still going to games, like you still have something that you're cheering for, still have something that you're fighting for. And I I think of it also in just like how you're able to promote a league, how you're able to promote teams. And I, I just think if you think of the WSL and when they have top and bottom and, and when you have someone get promoted and, and what that means to go play in the WSL, like in the first division, I, I genuinely just think that it it provides more for the fans to rally behind and get behind. And then also as a default, it gives you something in the second division. So not only are you having fan engagement in that first division, but you're also having fan engagement in that second division that then follows you through the whole relegation promotion. Because if you think about it, if you're in the championship, let's say in England, and you're fighting first and second, you're fighting for promotion, you're fighting for promotion. Like you're building a fan base so that even let's say you fall short, you don't get promoted. You still have that fan base as you're going through the next season in that second division. So I definitely think this aspect of like fan engagement. And then, I mean, we haven't even talked about like broadcasting and media and like that side of fan engagement and how much that changes when you just have like a league where it's just a bit more, like we said, you know, incentivizing. For sure. And I definitely experienced that in France when we were in the second division and we started to, you know, get the points where we were in the position that we could get promoted. We definitely had fans turning up for us and, and cheering us on. And that felt so good because they they also felt the energy of we're on this upward trajectory and they were definitely there to help us along the way. So I understand from my own experience how how palpable and how real that that aspect is regarding the fan engagement but Sid I want to look through all these things that we've mentioned we've had pretty like bullish trends or bullish opinions on these different aspects money fan engagement quality of play but like let's be realistic here what are the drawbacks from this system in the women's game currently I definitely have my ideas but I want to hear your your thoughts on this yeah, I would say probably my biggest thing is when you're in a league where the gap is too big from the top to the bottom. So if the second division, the gap is too big between, let's say the gap's too big even in the first division between top and bottom. Then when you're having a new team that's in the second division come up into that into that first division, that gap is like way too massive. So all the things that we're talking about, money, mentality, quality of play, fan engagement, I actually don't think that it happens in a way where you see a return on that investment. So currently playing in Scotland, the gap for us in the first division between the team that's in first and the team that's in last is massive, right? Like there's no way even they can even be caught at this point in the season from the last place, right? So I think the con to that, if the gap is so big between first and last, when a new team comes in, in theory, right, it doesn't always happen this way, but in theory, that gap will will be just as big, if not bigger. 
And so in certain aspects, I do think we could be a bit creative about relegation and promotion in a way of maybe, so I'm thinking Scotland, like cutting how many teams are in the first division, which will then make the first division more competitive, the second division more competitive. And then when you get promoted, like the gap between top and bottom isn't that massive. And I think that that really helps with those four points that we've talked about. What are your thoughts? Is it different than mine? Kind of the same? Yeah, I can push back for sure. But I, I see where you're coming from. Like, if you look at the men's English Premier League, you have a top and bottom. Like you, But I think the teams at the bottom of the table can always, there's always a chance. They can always surprise us and take out one of the big hitters at the top of the table. Whereas where you're coming from, Sid, I think you're right. There is a huge gap and it's it would be nearly impossible for these bottom of the table teams that have just been promoted to really take down a big dog. It's like very, very rare, right? A lot of these scorelines we're seeing are like 6-0, 8-0, um, like a huge gap in the women's game. And so I definitely see from that perspective, I, I can push back just a little bit. I, I think as the global game is growing on the women's side, there is this like there's this desire to really try and close that gap. But I think it requires like an investment from these clubs. If you get promoted, that gap's going to exist so long as you don't invest. If you invest, I think it's doable to close that gap. So I don't think the remedy to this, this issue is to not have a promotion relegation system. I do think it's similar to what you said, said being creative in a way to still allow for that fluctuation, but in a more secure and stable way for longevity. And then we can get it to a point where it's similar to the men's side where, you know, yes, there's a top and bottom, but there's always competition. So I think it needs to be a gradual process in this aspect, but I don't know. I still see it as the, the way to go. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that I think it's the way to go. I think in some leagues, it benefits more than others. So like in Scotland, I, I think honestly they could do without it because I, I just think it's an, it's kind of a new league in terms of professionalism. Um, there's not enough investment. Some teams are still not full-time. So I think that they're probably a bit ahead of the curve for them. But then you look at a league like the NWSL, right? NWSL 10 plus years as a league. Do Are they missing out by not doing it? And I, and I think this is something interesting to talk about, Abby, because obviously that USL Super League, right? Tons of discussions, tons of discussions. It's allegedly supposed to start in August. And apparently they're still waiting from US soccer on like securing that division one spot. When that league first got announced, you and I were on the phone, like what the heck are they doing? They should not be a first division league. Does the NWSL miss out? Is the US Super League being potentially being a first division league instead of a second division and allowing for relegation and promotion, a missed opportunity in the, in the U S game for women's soccer. Yeah. This is an interesting one, Sid. Be like you said, NWSL is a lot older of a league or professional league than some of these other leagues that have been using promotion relegation for years. Um, I, I think it was smart to, not have it in the in the origins, right? We needed stability around the league, but I think you've achieved that right now. And so I think they would be foolish. I, I really do think they're missing out with this. And I think the USL Super League is actually an amazing opportunity to insert this kind, kind of seamlessly. Maybe this first year we get USL Super League off the ground, 
who knows what it's even going to be like. I think there's a lot of incentive um, from the men's side of USL to get this across the line. And so it's a bit hairy in their intentions. Um, but yeah, I I'm curious how it all pans out. Let's say the USL Super League is viable. They do get D1 status and they play this, this offseason, this shoulder calendar or European calendar, as we would say. And it goes well. There's no reason why we can't have the NWSL and the USL Super League with a promotion relegation. It just makes so much sense in my mind. Yeah, I think I think the thing about it that kind of, you know, all these things that we're talking about, incentive, incentivizing, fan engagement, quality of play, right? If you have the US Super League as the second division, the people that are then going to be drawn to that league because of what it means with the opportunity to potentially be promoted and play in the NWSL is going to be a different caliber of player. And so you're creating, you know, all those things we talked about, more competition, more, more investment, better quality of play, therefore, you know, helping U.S. soccer be continue to be at that pinnacle in the world. Right. And so I definitely think there's that aspect of it. Whereas if they get first division, if they get granted first division access, you're now simultaneous, like you're side by side with the NWSL. What incentivizes anybody to go from one to the other, right? Like if, if you're Alex Morgan in the NWSL, why would you ever leave the NWSL to go into the U.S. Super League? Sorry, the, the USL Super League. So now I'm questioning what kind of players are you getting from the USL Super League to, to go there because, you know, if I'm right on the cusp of a roster of a roster spot, I might still try to push for the NWSL because let's say like the, the caliber, the quality in the Super League just isn't there. I do think it'll be interesting to see how the U.S. Super League takes off, right? Like it, it could be very different than than anything we're expecting. But I just think that if you have a streamlined system in an established league, NWSL is established. If you have a streamlined system, you're creating more competition. You're, you're getting better players, right? Because I think there's this whole aspect of international players. We're not even talking about, right? right? Like if you were telling me I can come into the second division and in the U S fight maybe for two years, get promoted. And now I'm playing in the NWSL. Like that's a draw for international players to come, to come to the U S. So I just personally feel like the people that like decided to come up with the USL super league and the NWSL really missed out on an opportunity to like collaborate and just like get this through. Yeah. If the USL super league is sustained and is legit, I think it has a potential to be super divisive in American women's football. So I'm curious to see how all of that pans out, but I do want to mention one deficit to the promotion relegation system that scares me a little bit, especially at a time when the women's game, you know, we're, we're on the upward trajectory, but a hit could really take us down a little bit. You know, we're vulnerable to that. And so one, one thing that we've seen in England a few times is that you have the WSL and then you have the championship. When a team gets relegated, they lose a lot of sponsorships, a lot of funding, investors pull out, and that can tank a team that already is working off a difficult budget, right? So that that's the hairy part and that's the business side of things. Um, and, and that's a, a drawback for sure. I don't think it's a big enough incentive to not do it. I think there's a lot more positives, but that is something that crosses my mind. Yeah, but I, I do think at the end of the day, like that's business, that's a competition. 
Like, I think that that's just a part of the game. I think the, the other aspect with the Super League is like other leagues don't have two Division One leagues. Like other countries don't have two Division One leagues. So like, what does that then mean? I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it point blank. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Like there's a reason why other countries don't do that. Like even looking at, so in the women's game, Australia and Mexico don't have relegation promotion, right? But they have second divisions. So you're still getting like that, that different level of competition and, and you're still having a, a pipeline for players potentially, right? So I just think that if, if you're really trying to compete side by side, like the NWSL is established. There's nothing incentivizing players to leave the NWSL and to go to the USL Super League. Like you have to have something that incentivizes players. And so I just think the relegation and promotion, regardless of the fact that you might take a massive hit if you get if you get relegated, like because at the end of the day, that then is just a rebuilding phase, right? That means new players can come in and like this is the cycle of of increasing the the quality of players not only around the world, but like specifically in the U.S. But Abby, let me ask you something, right? Because we've mentioned a little bit on the men's side, right? The MLS doesn't have a relegation promotion either. So my question to you is, is this a moot point? Like, is this not going to happen in the NWSL until the men do it? Like, are we just different than everybody else as a country? Like, what's the deal there? Yeah, so this is really intrinsically tied with the men's side of things because the USL is involved. I do think there's a battle between the MLS and the USL that is trickling into our game, let's just say, the women's game. So I don't even think, unless the USL overtakes the MLS, which I don't see happening, I don't think we would see a promotion relegation. If USL does, then I do think, because they have the USL too, um, I, I do think there's a potential for that. If that happens, Maybe we see a similar takeover in the women's game. But I would love to see us deviate from the men's game. Like, we don't always have to follow what they do. I think they've had an established structure in Europe um, on the men's side. But we can take that even if our counterparts in America aren't doing the same thing. So I, I would hope that the leaders of the USL Super League for the women um, approach it a little bit differently than I think the men are currently. But it, only time will tell, really. Yeah, and I think when we get more information, we've been itching to do an episode about the NWSL and the Super League, but there's just not enough information yet. So when more information comes out about the structure of that league, if it e even is going to be a first division league, or maybe it is going to be a second division league, we will definitely pick that apart. I'm so, so ready to do that. But in the meantime, I think, you know, these are kind of just our thoughts on relegation promotion. Obviously, there's so much on like the business side that Abby and I don't necessarily know about as players. And there's all these minute aspects in, in different countries and different places that you play. But overall, I think you and I can agree, Abby, like relegation and promotion does help the game. And if we're talking about specifically in the U.S., if we're talking about staying at the top, staying a superpower, it's something that they might have to consider, especially if you look at England and, and how well they do it, even like Germany, France, right? Like, and they're competing, Spain, right? Like we're not the superpower anymore. So maybe it's time we deviate from the men's system in the MLS, in the US structure, and we start following our counterparts overseas in Europe. And maybe this is this is what they need. So relegation and promotion, I think here Avi and I agree, it's probably a positive. And honestly, Abs, that's a little bit boring. So let's take it to hot takes where maybe we'll disagree. 
Okay, Abby. I'll be shocked if you disagree with me, honestly, though. My hot take, the worst weather conditions to play football in are windy weather conditions. You know I hate wind. Okay. I think I say this because, like, Scotland's so windy. (laughs) So I'm, like, dying over here with the wind. But I mean this in the sense of, like, I don't care if it's blistering heat and it's windy. I don't care if it's negative 10 and it's windy. Like, any aspect of wind is the worst weather condition to play football. I I hate living with wind. So like I have a my qualms with wind in general, but playing wise, I think it depends what country you're playing in because if you're a football team that plays on the ground, like it's a bit different, right? In America, playing with wind is god awful, especially especially as a midfielder because you just like never touch the ball. It's just like flying in the air the whole game. But it, like if you're in Spain, perhaps it's a bit different. Like the ball is still on the ground. It's not really being inf- affected. I can counter a bit. I mean, I will stand by what I say. I hate wind. I would not like to play in wind. But I personally think that extreme heat is more debilitating to me personally. And I could not like that. I would have to rank that number one for for myself. Like I can't play in heat. I'm sorry. I'm just having flashbacks to when you cramped up Pepperdine. <laughs> Beth, if you're listening, she'll never live it down. Yeah, I I see that for you. But I just think like, even if it's, let's say it's blistering hot on its own versus it's blistering hot and it's windy. Like, come on. The answer is wind. Yeah, but the wind, when it's really hot, the wind helps because it it wipes your sweat away and then you produce more. Oh, it just and it blows cools. more hot air at you. No, it cools you down. It cools you down. I just feel like if if you're playing, right, and it's it's ridiculously hot and it's windy as well, let's say, and the ball's blowing around, the trajectory of the ball's changing, all of this stuff, like you're just running around aimlessly now. Like it's wind, like wind affects heat on its own. Sure, it sucks, but like heat and then wind, like when you add wind to any weather condition, tragic. Yeah, wind is not cool and it's not fun, but as a player individually I melt in the heat so I can't do it but also as a coach like I think that I could coach through wind better than I could coach through fatigue due to extreme heat okay we'll just have to disagree here the worst weather condition to play football is wind it's not heat it's the wind all right agree to disagree then Wow, Abs, it's been a long time since we disagreed and I missed arguing with you. So I definitely loved that. But I mean, speaking of wind, the wind over here in the UK has been massive. I don't know if people saw Christy Mewis is becoming a meme with the West Ham match when she tried to put that corner in. So Abs, when you give games to watch, if there's any games in the UK, I definitely recommend people pay attention because you'll agree with me in the hot take that wind is the worst weather condition. So, Abby, over to you. What do you have for games to watch? Oh, lucky duck. Of course, you knew that I was going to call out some games from the UK. Well, first of all, just want to say last week's game to watch did not disappoint. Manchester United versus Chelsea last week. Lauren James scored a hat trick. She's unstoppable and she's so young. So excited to see that. That means we're going back to the WSL for this week. We have Arsenal versus Liverpool in a matchup on Sunday, January 28th. And then we're staying in the UK. Shout out to our co-host, Sydney Cummings. She has a huge match in the Scottish League. It's Celtic versus Glasgow. And that's also on Sunday, the 28th on BBC Alba, if you want to watch that. 
And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at megspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at megspodcast or our new Twitter at megspodcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megged.